welcome to Are We Where Yet with Johnny Awesome and Tori Black. All right. Welcome to the, oh, I want to say episode three. It sounds better. It sounds like Star Wars, right? Welcome to episode three of the Are We Where Yet podcast. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> right. I am your host, Obi John Kenobi, and uh, we co-host here. We got Tori Black. Yep. Yeah. Hello, guys. Hello, hello. And uh, b- before we get started, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping real quick. Um, uh, uh, back to the first episode where we kind of introduced ourselves and we were talking about, you know, w- where we were and where we're at now. I just want to say that, you know, I'm still struggling with the ego, Tori. I don't know if you know that or not, but... No. No, okay, no, you good. you haven't discussed this with me. Okay. Well, that makes me feel better. But... <laughs> um, so I just wanted to say a lot of those things that I mentioned in there, uh, they, they were ideas of mine, like the open aired and, uh, you, you know, the, the record label, things like that. But it always took two to make it happen, like birthing a baby into this world. It was uh, so I just want to give a shout out to everybody that helped make open aired happen, like Mike Titan, Charles Escalante, um, Fausto Lopez, who is legal alien. And uh, last but not least, citizen aim christopher john walk he was uh rest in peace he was a big part of that so you know i I was just talking and i forgot to mention them so i just want to give you know credit where credit is due and they're a big part of that so right on there's the housekeeping all right (laughs) so now that that's out of the way i'm going to introduce our guest on the other side of the mic here justin Rowe, right Rowe, but it's spelled how's it spelled r-e-a-u are, is that French? Yeah. It is? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. It means king. It means king? Yeah. That's even cooler. Yeah. <laughs> My brother's middle name is king, too. Really? Yeah, his middle name is Rex. So that's king? Rex means king? Yeah, like T-Rex. Oh, okay. Well, I, My I, mom's like raising kings, I guess. I that, that's cool, man. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, Justin, just to give a little uh, history here, we both go to the same church yes, and i feel funny calling it a church i don't know about you but to me it's like but it's, it's church. church it's church yeah, okay it's cool. you know we go to the same church and i've been talking about getting him on the podcast and i wouldn't say he's hesitant but cautious cautiously aware i just like to slow play yeah you know yeah and so like you know let's just take it easy let's just have fun good podcast right yeah yeah, yeah, right. yeah. so let me start off with a few questions was 9 11 an inside job did yes. we go to the moon? <laughs> and is Tupac still alive? Are we talking conspiracy? Go. Uh, follow the money. Uh, I'm not sure about the moon landing. Like, I've heard it could go either way. I'm not really, I don't really have a big, I don't know, issue with it. <laughs> I'm cool. <laughs> and then, uh, what was the last one? Tupac. Is Tupac. He alive? Please tell me he is. I don't think Tupac's alive. Oh, man. I'm more of a Biggie fan anyway. That, Even though I'm a West no! Coast kid. I'm a what? West Coast kid, but I'm down for Biggie. Oh, yeah. No, I love Biggie, too. Oh, I love Tupac. Okay. Joke, joke's out of the way. So, he, Justin, um, I, I got your bio. Yes, sir. And I didn't even know. We, we've known each other for some time. You actually came in at the end of Open Air. Yeah. I met I met you uh, right, um, I want to say maybe a few months before before citizen aim passed away okay yeah like you guys were still doing uh graph work like you would have big uh plywood in the back in the back and there'd be like a bonfire and then you guys would graph 
yeah do graffiti on the boards and stuff like that and um that's when i met him he was rocking the big old mask oh yeah he had to wear the they we had the like the respirator yeah. on because of the the fumes yeah. from the smoke and from the paint would get with his lungs you know yeah. he had the cystic fibrosis that's what he passed away from so yeah so but i mean he still wanted to be there so that's what he went he yeah went out, i mean I'm, it was pretty dope like going and seeing like your guys's hardcore scene and because i had just come from the bay area so it was kind of like it just got real real like as soon as i got to yuma so i thought that was really dope oh so the, yeah so you're from you're not from the bay area though right i'm kind of no i was raised in new mexico I, I grew up in santa fe new mexico okay that's where i went to um like elementary junior high high school okay and uh, and then when I was 19, I went to Hawaii and, uh, I lived in Hawaii for five years and, uh, worked with kids. Perfect for the podcast. Like, are, are, yeah. you know, are we where yet? Because, you know, you've already mentioned a few different places. Yeah. Right. I, I kind of had a few journeys, a few journeys, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, um, you, you know, so when I was looking at your bio, I noticed, you know, there's some pretty credible things on there on, on your bio. One okay. was MTV. You did something with MTV. Let's just get straight into that. Well, I was privileged to, um, there's a, there's a couple that are mentors of mine, um, Rich and Yvonne Dutra, St. John, and they're, uh, in East, uh, East Bay in the Bay area. And they have an organization called challenge day. And, um, these two are like, like kind of crazy genius level. Like they're on another thing, and um, so when I was uh, when I was younger, um, I, I had gotten out of school. I moved to Hawaii. I was working with kids. Um, we kind of get into that a little bit, and um, but when I was, uh, it was a YMCA camp, right? So okay. I, I kind of went there. A friend of mine that I grew up with had moved to Hawaii, and she was living on the North Shore. And I was like, "What's good?" Like, <laughs> so like, what? Do you, like, you got a spare room that I can kind of on that level, oh, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, "What's up?" You know. <laughs> and she was like, "Well, see, because okay, so let's back up. So, I grew up, um, I grew up going to the to a church organization that I think you were part of. Yeah. on another side, right? Like, like the heavy a few hitters states over yeah yeah and like the heavy hitters from where you were were like best homies with the heavy hitters from where i was and we were all kind of underneath the umbrella of this big organization yeah called, and, the, called the fellowship right yeah and and at the height of the fellowship they they're real into like old school evangelizing and like um you know kind of more traditional american christianity where you're trying to like get people to pray with you and and, and converts and, yeah and increase the number of people at your church and and it's cool and, like, and that shows success people. right that's like the success rate like how many people you have saved in your church fill out a card yeah i kind of i kind of have a hard time saying it with that tone a little bit just because um even if there's like a lot of success driven stuff that they're kind of focusing from it's like everybody's kind of where they're at you know what i mean and like you got to you got to leave room for people's process, mm-hmm. right? And you got to leave room for people's process, even if they're at a stage of their process where they're not going to leave room for yours. You got too deep for us already. That's what? it. That's the end of the podcast. But you know no, what I'm saying? No, no I'm, I'm, I know you know what I mean? mean? Like, like not everybody knows how to let you have some room, right? So if you're sitting with someone and, and, and you're in a two-way conversation and you're the only one in that conversation who knows how to leave room, who's going to leave the room then? Mm-hmm. Like who's going to make some space, right? And maybe if I make a little space for you, hopefully one day you'll realize like, you know what? Like 
There's that one person I always talk to that seems to always leave space for me. Maybe I don't even know how to say it like that. I just know that when I'm with you, I feel like I have a little bit of space. Maybe it's a little safer. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of because because a lot of people that come through that that church that style of church world um, end up having like a journey, and and so many people have that similar journey. Maybe the details are different, but it's real consistent with like you know. You, if you find yourself kind of leaving that world, you might have some anger going on. You might you might feel a little jaded. You might feel a little like yeah, because uh, it, it, it's the the world he's talking about a very controlling um, world where the pastor is the head of the church and he calls the shots from there down. And like if you want to go take vacation, you go say, hey, pastor, can I go take vacation? It's been like crazy stuff like that. Yeah. You know? So I and actually I was talking to somebody that was previous. Um, it went to the same church and she called it like post-traumatic church syndrome or something. She had like this whole district. Like a PTSD kind of? Yeah, like a PTSD. And she was very um, angry. Yeah. She was very angry at it. So I see your reverence towards it. Like it was like the school you had to go through yeah. to develop who you are today. I mean, when you get to high school, I mean, I know it's kind of cool to like, you know, the freshmen are like the losers and then the sophomores are less loser. And then suddenly when you're a junior, <laughs> yeah. you're like on another level, right? No, you're just a junior in high school, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you got to go through each kind of stage and, and to kind of knock the one before it actually locks you out of getting to the next level. So I try and like be gracious about, because I don't know what level am I at right now. You know what I mean? I'm too busy in here. So I don't know. I don't know what my blind spots are. I don't know if my butt's hanging out and my pants are down. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so maybe if I could pull your pants up when you don't realize and I could be cool with you, then you'll do the same for then me. And that leaves room for you. Yeah. So I, I got you. So that's why you won't speak to it with that, that well, kind of a... and I'm down to like, yo, we'll talk about religion all day long. Yeah. I, I just try and be um, a little... I didn't always used to be that way. I used to be like a real forward person and um, just kind of like bull in a china shop. So, and I still have moments like that, I think. But um, yeah, I just try and slow my roll a little bit. Okay. So then uh, that, that church you're talking about, that's what... Very controlling. We'll just give a little backdrop. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It's very it's controlling, like, yeah. evangelistic, and you know, Western Christianity to the to the max. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, so that was your catapult into Hawaii. That was like I got to get away from here. Yeah. Okay. So I can give you kind of like a bit. I just want to say too. I listened to you guys' first two episodes. I thought it was really hot. I'm, Thank you. I'm a <laughs> I'm a fan of Joe Rogan. Like you know what I mean. So this kind of like I'm sure a lot of people have said something like that. Like in the context of you guys sharing like this thing that you're doing. And um, when I first moved to Yuma, uh, I started. That's when he kind of started his show back in the day. Like he's real popular now. You know what I mean? But like, and um, just having these kinds of discussions to throw into a podcast and just like where you're about your grind and like mm-hmm. it, it really helped me. So I just think it's hot that there's like a local. I appreciate a version that, of that, and 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 uh, a lot of big props to you guys, and and uh, just getting something and doing it like already set you aside. So like, yeah. this was inspired by a video that uh, Tori put up. Okay, so that, mm-hmm. it was just like right after that, I saw her do a video. She does videos on YouTube. Give want to give a plug for the YouTube channel real quick. Oh crap! I still don't have a link for that. I okay. have to get like a certain amount of subscribers, but you can look it up. But it's Tori and okay. then BLK, mm-hmm. Tori BLK. And yeah. I, I saw her do that and I was just like, my, that was beautiful. It, was, it just exploded in my mind. And I, we ended up having coffee and I said, mm-hmm. what do you think about doing a podcast? She said, I always wanted to do a podcast. That's hot. I was excited. I was like, oh my God, you want to yeah, do a yeah, podcast yeah. too? And she's like, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Sorry, I had to add the excitement. Yeah, no, that's... that's <laughs> well, and it was really cool hearing you guys' stories and, like, just kind of, like, where you're coming from and, yeah. like... And then the dude that you had on the last episode was, like... Alan Pruitt. Super oh, smart. He, and, like, I'm kind of a Google head, too, you know, from, like, a different angle. Like, I'm not in the mix like he is, but... So I was like, oh, this Bay Area, is, yeah. I love to this dude. This dude's cool. Right. So, yeah, I just, I just thought what you guys are doing here is pretty Appreciate good, so. the love, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I grew up in New Mexico. My... um. My father was a con artist. My mother grew up on the streets since she was like five uh, with my uncle. And they, I mean, like you want to hear like a story on another level, that story's on another level, which you're privy to some of that, right? So, yeah. Um, when, when I was born, my mom hadn't seen my uncle uh, in like 15 years or something like that. Like they got put into foster homes and like it just was all bad, right? So when they found each other, my aunts was in the church, that old church scene that we were part of. Mm -hmm. And I think I was like five or four or something like that, right? And so then my mom kind of got into it. And, you know, they come from like, (laughs) they come from like a past that's a movie. It's unbelievable. And actually, so your uncle, the one we're talking about, is my mentor. Yeah. Uh, Chris Tortorici, who I'm probably going to save. Oh. I, I, we're going to like he'll, he'll be on like the last podcast. Like save yeah, the best for G. last. It's yeah. just going to be intense. He's like so. a Jedi Master. Yeah, yeah seriously. I so, got to meet him. Yeah, he's a G. Yeah, he's a he's he's truly like. Um, uh, so I had given you a book. You remember that book? I, gave I love you? it. Yeah, okay. uh, it's like um, it talks about the path of the Bodhisattva, right? So like uh, it's like a, if you don't know what Bodhisattva is, it's like a Buddhist term. And it's, um, you know, when you reach a certain stage of enlightenment, when people talk about enlightenment, I think most people talk about enlightenment like we talk about heaven. Like, it's like a place that you go when you pass. And and if that's what you believe, like, who am I to take that from you, right? Um, for some people, it's more like a state of mind, right? So for Bodhisattva, if you kind of get to a certain stage of your life where you're like, I'm good. Like, I see what's up. You know what I mean? I'm fine. You kind of have to make a, a choice at that moment of like, okay, so am I gonna? Am I just gonna sit in my awareness and like be cool and like I'm not suffering, so I'm good, right? And like, pass me the the remote, I guess I don't know. Or I'm gonna dedicate my life to people and I'm gonna dedicate my life to service, which is really like, if you don't if you don't take that step into service, you kind of don't really see the game. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because it's just circulation and like everything's got a code through you right i know we're getting real abstract real quick but it's like uh that's why i feel like he's at like he's just mm-hmm. kind of like dedicated his life to service. to service yeah and he's just like you get to keep mining the same mine or you keep diving into the same well to mm-hmm. a greater and greater degree if you're willing to let it come through your life and serve people and when it comes to sacrifice and making the choice to like take the take the hard lumps i mean just simple stuff like letting the homeless dude wash his clothes and take a shower, you know, his, his dirty clothes and he gets in your clean shower and like this dude will do that all day long. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, he's, he's been my mentor since I was 16 and I don't want to say how old I am. So people in the listening land think I'm, I'm young, but uh, he's been my mentor. He's since only got 11 gray hairs. I, I've seen, I've seen him do that constantly yeah. with the homeless and like yeah. he's letting these people in and stay there and he feed and clothe them. And it's just been like, what? Yeah, so he's a G. It's straight up. Like, yeah. I've never seen anybody do this before. Yeah. Like, I see people talk it. People get on the stage and, like, will yeah. say it. But this guy gets off of the stage and does it. Yeah. And it's like, you could have a stage. He's like, yeah, but no. 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 This is where it's at. Yeah. And it's like, 
I want to be like this guy. Yeah. This guy's not even, he could get up there and say it, but he's not saying it, he's doing it. And then yeah. he'll say it to me like at coffee at eight in the morning at Starbucks. And then yeah. to him, he's like fulfilled his life mission with just sitting with me, like me alone. Yeah. I feel like I'm a world. Yeah. So a little bit into him, but I'll, let's move on real quick. Okay, go ahead. We get, so um, you went to Hawaii. I went to Hawaii. So uh, when, so the, the church that we came out of was real like black and white, right? Real literal uh, in terms of like reading scriptures. It's like. This is what it says. This it, is what you got to do. Right. It's the, it wasn't, there's not really any like allegory in it. It's kind of like real No real poetry. Literal. There's no life at that point. Or just, I would say. okay, I mean, yeah, or, or just, it's just like, that's just the level that they're at, or okay. the layer of it that they're at, right? Like, and, um, but it's harsh. Like, I'm not trying to minimize, like, their degree. Like, there's some, it's pretty hardcore. So I just, like, I had gotten kicked out of church just for being, like, doing normal. Being a teenager. Teenage boy stuff, you know what I mean? And just kind of, like, just the struggle was real. So, um, but because that was everything that I knew and I grew up in. Um, and I kind of, you know, after my mom had such a crazy past and she went real hard into the church because she, her, I think her heart was in the right place that she wanted her kids to kind of like grow up opposite of how she grew up, which was chaos. That's beautiful. And, uh, and in, in a lot of ways, I think she was very successful, you know what I mean? And, um, and I give, a, I have a lot of gratitude to, towards my mom for that. Right. So, but, uh, yeah, there just kind of came a point where I didn't realize it, but I think I hit the ceiling mm-hmm. and I didn't know that. And, um, so it, it, I kind of, I had to get the boot, so to speak. Right. And like, I, I thought it was crazy though, because when I, when I got out of there, uh, and my friend had moved to Hawaii and then I was like, yo, what's good. And she was like, well, there's a job out here if you want to go. And, um, she told me that like on a Monday and within a week I was in Hawaii. Like, I dang, people didn't that's know quick. I was gone. I think she told me like on a, on a Monday. No, no. She told me, she told me like on a Wednesday I wrote my resume over the weekend. Um, by Monday, I had an interview. By Wednesday, I was on a flight. Wow. I yeah. want to get that call to Hawaii. Right? So why aren't people calling Please. me and say, hey, <laughs> come to Hawaii, <laughs> there's a job. <laughs> a resume. So you had previous experience. Like, what was this for YMCA, you said? Yeah. At the time, I was, like, working, like, banker's hours. I was the assistant uh, administrator to the vice president of a bank. And so... That sounds really fancy, yeah, but basically all it meant was that I was like the, the the pinch hitter for whoever didn't show up to work, right? So I could do a teller job. I could help in loans. I okay. could work the back. I could do whatever, right? And so we had all these branches, and they'd be like, so-and-so didn't show up to work today. You need to drive an hour and get, get to work on time. So then you go from that to writing a resume for YMCA to yeah. work with kids. Yeah, and I didn't really know what I was signing up for. I just knew that I was going to Hawaii. And then I got there. And this is kind of where the adventure started. So I got to Hawaii. Hawaii is beautiful, of course. It's every, you know what I mean. It was everything that you would think, right? And I'm staying on the North Shore at a YMCA camp, so we're six miles from the nearest town, which is literally just a tiny town. Um, but it was it was gangster. It was like out. I lived in a hut on the beach for two years. In a hut, yeah. That is gangster. Like straight up in a hut wow. on a beach, yeah. And then, um, so it was interesting because so. In the 70s, like 60s, 70s, um, they're in the East Coast, they kind of started creating this thing called experiential education. And it was like, I think kind of like a backlash from like the 50s when like everybody went to school to go work in factories and stuff like that. And it was real like robot style. Yeah, you know? you're going to get a job and you're going to stay at this job forever. Yeah. Get your pension. And- yeah. So uh, University of New Hampshire, I think, created uh, this 
program or this kind of new field of education called experiential education. And, um, and it blew up real big. So I kind of caught like maybe like the second wave of that without knowing at the time, like it was kind of like resurging again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm out at this camp and they're like training us in these like exercises. Right. And it's like, you know, we use the ball, throw, pass the ball around all these kind of like little games that you play with kids and stuff like that. How old are these kids? <clears throat> Between fifth grade, all the way up through adults. Like would be have different groups okay. come through and stuff. But a lot of fifth graders, cause there would be like, uh, like the culture was for fifth grade, you go on your trip and they would go up to the North shore, like and camp, like go oh, to camp okay. for like two days. That's like something. a thing they do. Yeah. That's everybody in Hawaii. If you grew up in Hawaii, you went to camp. That's okay. so fun. Yeah, yeah. For like three days. You're just making like me that. and Tori jealous right now, uh, but it's all right. No, we're no, going to have to take a trip. We're over going. There. Yeah. We could go to, I got people in Hawaii. You got peeps. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so mama Sue. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So basically they're teaching us these games and stuff, but it wasn't really like, there wasn't like a thread sewing it all together for me. Like I, it was like disjointed information. Right. So one of the classes, they said we had to do like these little trust, like team building exercises, trust building exercises. Right. And I'm young. I'm 19 at the time. So it was like, I'm trying to like figure out this new scene or whatever. Um, then I started kind of asking my coworkers like, yo, I need like a little extra help here. Like, I don't really understand the point, you know? And maybe that's obvious, but I just didn't get it. And, um, None of the adults could like, like just simple. Like, so what's trust? Oh, so you would, so you're like, okay, wait a minute. I'm supposed to teach this. Yes. So I need you to teach me what we're supposed to be teaching. And you Uh, went to your superiors and you asked a question and they gave you a blank stare. Yeah. I mean, sit with anybody, any grown up, sit with them and say, what's trust? They're like, that's your job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think Tori, Tori got it right. Or even just describe it. Put tr- what is trust? Put that to words. Right? Like, Don't look at me like a Tory. That's difficult. Like, <laughs> that's philosophical right there, man. Yeah. You, but you, you know what's interesting is uh, if you uh, any, go back into the next, or last episode, I mean, uh, we were talking about uh, Simon Sinek. And Simon Sinek says trust gets created through actually like through touch. Interesting. And through and through touch when that serotonin gets released and these chemicals. And that's why a handshake is so important. Right. And uh, the fact that we have abandoned handshakes to like sign on the paper here is kind of always leaves this room, like this gap for distrust. Interesting. So like the, a trust actually gets built through touch and like eye to eye contact and sitting down and having coffee with somebody. Yeah. And actually, and, and it's funny because in his book, he talks about uh, there's this point or this guy that wanted to do a deal with this businessman. And this guy has a lot of money. He's an entrepreneur. And this businessman wanted his business, you know. And so he said, okay, well, you know, first we're going to jump on these trampolines for a little while. Okay. And the, the businessman's in a suit and a tie. And the other guy's wearing shorts and flip-flops. And he's like, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to jump on this trampoline. And so then he had the businessman had to jump on this trampoline with this other guy for a while. Okay. And have fun and giggle. But that built that bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It built a little bit of a bond there. Yeah. Cause, and that's it, right? It's like the science of the space between, mm-hmm. right? So what I what I experienced with the trust thing is that, like, I could – everybody kind of knows what trust feels like, but nobody really knows how to describe it, right? Mm-hmm. So then I put the question to the fifth graders. And right off the jump, this fifth grader is like, trust is what you do when you give somebody a chance knowing they might hurt you. Just rock that. Man, yeah. I, got, I got chills. I got chills. <laughs> I got chills. <laughs> 
I was a just like, it, it, it was kind of like a little bit of a, like a lightning bolt moment, you know, like yeah. I'm not trying to make it bigger than it was, but it was substantial. And I was just like, it was almost like saying like, uh, here's the doorknob. Do you want to open the door? And that kind of started a whole journey of, um, of experiential education. So I put in a whole decade worth of work at that point after that. Yeah. You put in a decade in Hawaii? I did five years in Hawaii, and then I moved to the Bay Area because we were um, – so we had set up, like, these uh, leadership courses with uh, with high school students. And um, this one school in Hawaii, in Waipahu, uh, asked us to come. They already had, like, a relationship with our staff. Mm-hmm. So they asked us to come and be part of this program. And what they were going to do is bring – they call um, the continental United States, they call it the mainland. So they were going to bring uh, a company from the mainland – which is the company that I ended up working for, uh, they brought that to a, to a high school in Hawaii. And it was the two founders came and, and led this five-hour workshop or six-hour workshop at this high school with like 150 people. And, um, and so we participated. And then what we did is we took the leadership team from those students. It would be like 100 students mm-hmm. and 20 adults. So we got like, I think it was like uh, 12 students or 15 students. And we did like a leadership course with them before the program. And then when they came and did the program, it had like this pretty substantial um, effect in the school. And then we had the leadership students ongoing after that to kind of support them as they kind of, because Waipahu is like not a joke, right? Like it's, I mean, it's rough. So um, like ghetto rough? Yeah, you, it's oh, hardcore. Okay. There's a lot of meth there. Oh, I right. mean, it's a beautiful place and there's a lot of beautiful people there. A lot of Filipinos, a lot of Samoans. But um, they, it could get live, yeah. So I, I, I just want to stop right there because that's always interests mm-hmm. me because you could be in like this place that I would call like paradise almost, like yeah. this beautiful place, but it doesn't matter where you're at. No. Like geography, it matters where you're at, yeah. like in here. It's just a giant treadmill in, the, in our space. That's all it is. You know, and that it's like it's like you could live in paradise, but then just be living in hell in here. Yeah. So, yeah. So in, in that vein, right. It's like, um, I think that's what I think the, the journey kind of was the internal journey was really like attractive to me, you know, like, um, I don't know, like I, I was pretty all over the place, you know, like I, I think that my, my upbringing saved me from a lot of like the real, uh, violent kind of overt crazy stuff that my parents grew up or like my Mm -hmm. mom's generation grew up in my uncle. But there was still, like, a lot of the head trip part of it was still all there. So you say head trip. What do you mean? Well, it's kind of like, you know, how how you see yourself. I guess I would say it like this. How you see yourself, how you value yourself has everything to do with how you interact with the world, right? And so if you're coming from a place where you inherently think that you're broken at a very fundamental level, then you're going to kind of interact with the world in, like, a fundamentally broken way. Everything's going to be broken. Or at least have that that kind of tang on it right so it's like those that's the glasses in which you perceive yes, life sir. through and i think that's where that's where you know kind of going back to the religion that a lot of people have their their hearts broken because it's like you're you're it almost becomes futile it's like why am i trying if i'm broken you know and i know that there's a way that we'll try and use our brokenness as fuel to like create momentum so you know like you hear a lot of people talk about like my fear of failure or my fear of being alone or my fear like my fears drive me into success so that puts a little bit of gas in the tank for a lot of people but that does that get you all the way right and so like like you know you'll hear like comedians or artists talk about like oh i didn't want to go to therapy or i didn't want to do the work 
quote unquote, because I, I was afraid I'd lose my art because a lot of people come from that dark place. Right. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize you're kind of like there's there's three more corners in the room. Like there's you don't have to just sit in the one like mm-hmm. you can use the there's whole options. Space. Right. Yeah. And uh, and actually what's what's waiting for you is way more wide open. But if you kind of if you've come from this place where I think human beings have a propensity to be negative, And I actually think that it's a beautiful thing. I think it serves a purpose because if you're, if you're in the middle of like a snowstorm or a blizzard and you can't, or you're in the middle of the dark and you can't even see your hand in front of your face, right? Just stay there a few more seconds and and watch yourself start to trip. Watch yourself start to lose your bearings. It's only, it's only going to take a few minutes, you know, before your mind starts to bug out a little bit. Okay. Well then, in that moment, being a little negative actually becomes kind of useful, right? Like it's a real easy way to throw up a partition and say, that's a wall and I'm not there. Mm-hmm. I'm not that I'm not over there. Cause I know that I'm over here if I'm not over there. And so we kind of use the, not the negative, right? I'm not you. I'm not like them. I'm not over there. It's not like this. And so all For pers- perfe- perspective. Yeah. You're trying to create, yeah. you're trying to get a grasp mm-hmm. on stuff. And then you get a little bit of a compass. And- yeah. The problem is that it cuts you off from all the things that you're not going to participate in. <laughs> so it's just a way, like it's like step one, but it's yeah. not like the step yeah. after that. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, and I don't say it to throw stones, but it's kind of immature. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's like another more, there's a more graceful step after that. And it might look something like standing in the middle of the swirl and, and being okay with that and becoming this world. There it is. And like going away and realizing who you are might not be what you think that you are. And it's going to be okay. And that's the ultimate where in my mind. But let's get back a little okay. bit. <laughs> let's bring <laughs> well, it. You got to get all deep, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, so MTV, where was MTV? Is it the Bay or is it Hawaii? Okay. So I personally was not on MTV. Um, I dipped right before my turn was. Uh, a lot of my coworkers were on it, and um, but the organization, the thing you were a part of. Was, yeah, at okay. that point of it, I was a senior staff member, and what we had done, what we had taken, was Rich and Yvonne's um, structure, and we kind of helped them develop it. And that was kind of like a crazy time in the organization, where there was like a, a handful of us that they kind of handpicked, right? So when I was in Hawaii, they were like, "Yo, will you come work with us?" Mm-hmm. Um, and that happened to a few people. Uh, Scott, sorry, that happened to a few people. And so it was like uh, we had this beautiful kind of um, chapter in in that organization that had like a beginning and an end in my mind. Mm -hmm. But while it was on, it was like on. And we were just kind of developing this stuff. And we were learning a lot about our own psychology and each other's psychology. And it was like a lot of processing and like crazy. Some of it I look back and I'm like, I probably won't do that again. But like Mm -hmm. some of it was pretty intense and. And um, so, yeah, that's where we kind of co-developed this process. And then it started doing so well that uh, it ended up on Oprah a couple times. Okay. So, yeah, I saw that. And you're, I, oh, did you meet Oprah? Uh, no. Oh, Rich man. and Yvonne were the founders, so they got to go do the Oprah show. I, I we saw, were all like, yo, let us get on the show. And then they went and did I it. saw that in your bio. I was yeah. like, please say he knows Oprah. Because, yeah. you know. No, I, they do. I, one day I want to meet Oprah. Because yeah. isn't she the greatest? I mean, I guess if you were. No, come on. Like, I'm I, I think if, if Jesus was going to come back oh. and he wanted oh, to, go, are you going to vote for goodness. Oprah? No, no, no. President. If, if right. Jesus. Uh, and did you hear about that? Yeah. I, yeah, I hope she runs. Really? Yeah. yeah listen, I listen, was like, listen. Again? TV stars are running for TV. Oprah. For if president. Jesus wanted to come back again as a baby, who better to come through? <laughs> Oprah. 
Oprah. Oh, oh my God. Oprah. I'm telling you. Oprah, oh. she's, she's done so much. I know. And, and <laughs> I, there's a lot of people that don't like her, you know, but I think there was a study done at one university that people that don't like her, that was shown that they don't have a soul. It was, they, were, they were born without one. So, okay. Anyway. The but you red, didn't. Redheads don't like Oprah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, the people without souls don't like Oprah. <laughs> no, weird. no, but in all seriousness, she's got a really cool story and like yeah, she's helped oh, introduce yeah. a lot of people like you know put put, put a platform for deepak yeah. for um eckhart tolle mm-hmm. you know, wayne dyer like a bunch of people kind of did her show and then yeah. kind of catapulted them into their own space yeah so i, I really right. I, I appreciate her and all joking aside yeah, but definitely yeah, yeah. but um well so, and she was real kind of like it was beautiful because I think we did the Oprah show twice and she kind of catapulted our whole scene into like another echelon. And then after that MTV picked us up and did um, a show called, if you really knew me. And uh, my sister was on that show uh, as one of the facilitators. Uh, She's like my, she's like my best friend. Oh, okay. And, uh, and um, so our whole crew, like I had a bunch of us and then, yeah, man, before I, before I stood up, I was just kind of like, you know what? I need to, I need to make moves. I think I hit the ceiling again. <laughs> okay, so did the ceiling hit again in <laughs> yeah. the Bay Area? Yeah. Okay, so then you dipped out. So like this whole thing of um, are we where yet? So you end up in Egypt somehow, and then yeah. Tel Aviv. We were having coffee one day, and you were telling me about. So yeah. then you've kind of been some places. And in the conversation, it was like we're, we're having coffee and just yeah. a bunch of dudes. And he was like, uh, Italy's cool, <laughs> um, you know, and like Spain. And I'm like, what? It's like I've been to Tucson and like Mexicali, you know. That's Tucson. like that's Tucson's like, off the chain, bro. You know what I mean? My but, cousin lives in Tucson. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, so uh, so so you're in the Bay. You got like yeah. Is, is that where you're introduced? You you spoke a little bit about the the Buddhist side. Yeah. Things. So um, you guys know Jack Kerouac. Right, the famous author mm-hmm. wrote on the road, right, and like the whole beatnik scene from like the fifties and the sixties, and like I'm familiar, not beat too poetry. much, but right. So like you remember, like poetry slams were big in like two thousands, mm-hmm. right, two thousand and ten. Okay, well, all of that comes uh, a large part. There's like a whole poetry scene, right that that helped influence that. That was okay. So the nineteen fifties. World War II's over, but we have all this apparatus, right? Industrial Revolution. What do we do with our time? If people wanted to drive across the country, you had to drive on dirt highways mm-hmm. or, you know, small highways. So they built, like, the inter- first interstates, right? And, like, you could – that's when, like, being a young man and getting your car and going yeah, and on then road just trips going on was, that like, trip. a thing, right? And, like, the whole Americana And there's songs and, about and, hitting yeah, the highway. Like, it, you know, the beginning of that religion started, right? So that the end, that like the farthest place you can go west, yeah, the Bay Area. Go to Cali. So Jack Kerouac wrote a book called Dharma Bums. And Dharma Bums was like a whole like kind of like flip the table over on like the the straight edge kind of American like, you know, press white shirts and okay. go to go to work kind of thing. So when I was in the Bay, I was I was blessed to kind of meet with a group of people that had started something called the Dharma Punks. And these were all like old school punk rock uh, crew. Like they were, they were like older brothers kind of to me. And okay. um, they were, they were like one. Yeah. It'd be like, if you had like an older brother, whatever. 
So they started this thing like as an homage to the Dharma bombs. They called it the Dharma punks, right? And it was like, let's take, instead of doing it like on Jack Kerouac level, let's do like a punk rock version of like the Dharma of Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And, and Dharma means you're like you're calling, you're, you know. Yeah, the right? Dharma is like the your, path, your, right? Yeah, your you destiny walk almost. The path. And, and, and like all good traditions, great traditions, Buddhism has like tenets of that path, right? And so the Dharma is kind of like all those pillars of Buddhism. And um, I never would call myself a Buddhist or say that I even really truly practice Buddhism. Um, like I could say that I, I practice Christianity, but mm-hmm. um, it really has become a practice. And so to see it, most people I think would say I am a Christian. And it's kind of like I, an identity for them at that point. Yeah. Like, and, and if you don't hold it in that way, it's kind of seen as like you're actually, okay, well, then you're not as down as we are because mm-hmm. you're, you, it doesn't look the way that it looks for us. Yeah, bloods and crypts. Yeah, so to me, actually, and I'm just saying this for myself, if I was to hold it that way, that's actually pretty noncommittal compared to like what it became. That what it became was so much more committed and so much more absorbing and so much more fully consuming than even that. Well, I learned that that was an option for Christianity because I was around the Dharma Punk crew. And so, you know, meditate and destroy, right? It's like, get rid of the ego and like and so it was cool because i got to kind of be around these people and coming up from like a real religious past they would ask me kind of like questions about christianity but i wasn't i didn't even really see myself as like how we would call ourselves saved or whatever right like i just was whatever that means i just was trying to make my way in the world and that's where I came from, but I didn't have anything else really, but I wasn't trying to hold it up necessarily. Like I would go to churches, like big giant churches in Hawaii. And it's just, ah, this is not my scene, man. Like I, I I'm faking the funk. If I come here, I'm mm-hmm. lying. You got to be true to yourself. Yeah. Right? There's like that, a, that part, that core. Being that, a poser. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be a poser. So anyway, when I, when I went up to the Bay area and I started working with challenge day and we, you know, I got to be out part on the scene and the Dharma punk crew and stuff. It just kind of was like, I mean, that's where I started to learn about Taoism and, and, and Buddhism and, and, and like this other conversation started opening up. And it was almost like, you know, if I say like, what color is the sky? Everybody's going to be like, it's blue. Okay, but what, what shade of blue is the sky right now? Mm-hmm. You know, like it yeah. was like that. It was like, oh, I'm looking at this guy for the first time. Kind of, <laughs> you know, like it was mm-hmm. pretty eye opening. It was, it was. So as I went on that journey with them and, and mindfulness became part of the conversation and stuff like that. So then um, as I kind of pulled on that thread, uh, it led me to Sufi. And Sufi is, uh, is like the mystics of Islam. So you went from Buddhism or like that. To me, Buddhism isn't really a religion. It's a philosophy. So well, people- Buddhists would call it the science of the mind. Okay. Which is which is interesting. So what? What I think it's Ernest Holmes from the. You, know, you can go to the spiritual center here, and that's mm-hmm. what Ernest Holmes would call it. And oh, he's a, okay. You know, and uh, so so you you'd say a science of the mind. Okay. Well, that's what they would call it, right? Oh, they like, would call uh, that's it. what that's what like the Dalai Lama would call it, right? I wonder if Ernest Holmes ever read stuff like that because I was really into that. Like Are for you a were whole into Buddhism. No, uh, science of mind. Okay. What John's talking about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I think I think usually a religion. Okay, this is hot. So I think the world would call religion like a belief system, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, a tradition. Um, I don't think that that's like super accurate. I think a more accurate description would be to call what we would say religion is like a belief system. or Right? To me, what a religion is, 
is it almost can have like a, a negative connotation to it, I think, for a lot of people. So let's embrace that in a way and say, what if religion is any idea that I would make more important than you? Or any yeah. person, right? That's so deep. I can make a religion out of anything. Anything. Right? I because could be a man who comes home from work and my lady's there, you know, and my kids are there and I don't want to spend time with them because, because I'm tired. So here's my paycheck. That counts, right? Or, you know what I mean? Or I look in the mirror and I got a little extra pounds on me and, and I'm kicking my own butt because I'm not where I think I should be. And now suddenly I find that there's an idea that's more important than the person that I'm looking at. Oh, wow. Right. And so even between me and myself, I can outrun myself. You can myself create that. And start. Cre- and so this is kind of we go to that part of the conversation where it's like, well, that helps me get motivated. That helps me get things done. Right. So that's like step one again. That's like yeah, the immaturity of it. Right. What's what's is there like a more open version of this where I can stay in step with myself and stop kind of forcing myself in a way that doesn't afford me any like dignity or choice or sovereignty. Which really is powerful, right? Because what I started realizing is I was becoming like a spiritual collector. Like I went to, I went to go see the Sufi, right? Because I read that book, The Alchemist, like everybody else did at that time, and you know, and I had already had my sights set on Africa, on Egypt for different reasons. And so, okay, Christianity behind you, Buddhism behind you, but not really behind you because they're always still with you. But then now it's Sufism, which is the mystics versions of yeah, the Muslims. I, I was just kind of looking at like, what are all the colors and the crowns in the box, right? And so, um, when I ended up at Sufi. That was pretty powerful. Uh, I know nothing except for like I read some stuff from Rumi and you know Hafiz. Okay, so (laughs) Suf. Okay, so Islam. Okay, I'm about to say some things that might hurt people's feelings right now, and I apologize. Okay, but from where I sit, okay, if you look at Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, Jesus is in the Quran more than Muhammad is. Right. I guess I don't know. I've never read it. Okay, it is. Okay, Christ, Jesus is in the Quran and talked about more than Muhammad. Okay. So you have like these three chapters of the same conversation, right? It's like Judaism. It's like, it's like the Lord of the Rings. You got like the trilogy. Okay. Okay. So, and if you put all three of those together, that's actually probably a more complete picture of the conversation when you include all three parts of the so conversation. So like all those colors make the rainbow. Right. Well, it's like if, if, <laughs> if, if the, we're all three sitting here having this conversation. It's probably most accurate if you include all three of us in that conversation. In the conversation, or if you know, after fact, if you want to know what happened, go to all three people, right? right? So it's like go to all three oh, religions and find out what. That's happened, a good way right? to put it. Right. I've and never heard anybody say that before. Here's, and when I've said that to people, and I've had people get really upset at me because because my religion is the right one. And if this, whatever uh, side you my sit God's on. the real God, and their God's not God. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's here's what I would say to that. Okay. If I'm, if I'm in Yuma and I want to tell a family member or somebody that I care about that I love them, I'll use the word love, okay? If I go 10 minutes across the border to Max, I'll say amor. If I go across the world and I go to Cairo, I'll say habibi, right? If I go to Thailand, I'll say, I don't remember what they say, right? It's like... Different I languages. I'm making a different sound with my mouth. But you're communicating but the same. Am I saying the same thing that the dude is telling his wife in Thailand or in Pakistan when he tells his lady that he loves her? 
And then who are you to go to the person in Thailand and say, no, 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 it's I love you, or no, yeah, no, 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 you, it's English, bro. It's English. <laughs> your love's not real unless you use English. Like, you must not love your wife, dude. I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. Amo, like, what? What? You have a 5,000-year-old history? Yeah, that don't count. <laughs> yeah. Ra- let's just <laughs> We've been here for that. 200 years, man. Like, you know, erase that. the let's new school. Socrates the old school. and Plato, and like, now we, we create history in the Western society. So when you have... When you have a dude who's 37 years old and he goes and stands in the middle of the nowhere and he cries out to the sky and he says, I don't know what I'm doing in my life, but he's in Sudan. Who does he cry out to? He might say the word Allah, but you know what the word Allah literally translates? No. God. Okay. That's what the word means. It means God. Mm -hmm. So if if you're going to play the God game, and you think that there's only one true God, but we're going to slice gods up and say that religion has a different God than me. Just because you say it in a different... That sounds like there's more than one God then. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is, so you know... There's either one God or there's not, right? So so the way, you know, uh, the way I've kind of framed it in my mind is like, um, if you heard your kid screaming or crying and your kid doesn't know your name or doesn't specifically say your name, like, you know, my name's Jonathan or or dad or whatever saying some words but he calls st- you baba or yeah calls, calls you whatever yeah. you're still gonna go run and see what's wrong yeah. with your kid yeah you know so if god this whatever this is this other thing this bigger here's his son saying i don't know what i'm doing with my life yeah. or his daughter i don't know what i'm doing he doesn't need to get the words right yeah it's the what he's communicating right yeah that's what i that's how i frame it it's so sufi is like this okay okay they say that there's the letter of the scripture then there's the heart of the scripture. Then there's the heart of the heart of the scripture. Okay? Sufi would be the heart of the heart. Okay? The Sufi conversation is a conversation of love. That's Rumi, Hafiz, uh, uh, Gibran, right? Where... Very romantic poets. Yeah, and it's kind of like, like the beauty of... The beauty of a, a religious person crying out to God is similar to a dog who misses its master like there's just a sweetness there and you yeah you could get kind of caught up in like well you're trying to you're trying to make me do something or you trying to what what right like we're all like mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm a ninja don't you can't catch me but if i would succumb to love and i would just let myself participate and be destroyed by that in the most beautiful way then that once again now we're at the space between it's not about you. It's not about me. It's, it's about, about we. It's about we. It's about us. And now suddenly that becomes real beautiful, right? And so this is kind of the thing about religion, right? Like I think a lot of people look at at God because we come from maybe like historically in our past, maybe a religious past, or maybe our communities have a lot of religious people, or maybe we didn't grow up religious, but we have elders in our families that are religious. And the world is changing, right? Like what was cool... 10 years ago ain't the same today, right? And and in some ways it's more free. In some ways it's not, right? It's just changing. It's changing. And so in that place, I think if you're trying to like, if you're trying to sew it all up and sum it all up, you're going to have a hard time. Like each person is a different person, right? Now, if you sit with people and you say like, if you're able to get to the level of the conversation where you can't even ask somebody, like, so what do you think about life for God? You know, what is God to you? What is religion, right? You have people that are like, I think atheism is becoming more and more important uh, or more popular these days, mm-hmm. right? Because it's all like the scientific method. Okay. Well, I like to talk about religion in a very scientific way. 
for a lot of people, religion is superstition, right? So it's like Gandalf is in the sky and he's watching me and, and that's how, that's the dynamic, right? But what about, what about if I want to say the everything and the nothing at the same time? Now you sound like a Taoist. Right? I want to say all the stuff in the world that is and that is not, mm-hmm. but could be. What word do I say that with? Can I just use the word God? Mm-hmm. Can, I, can, I, can I describe the undescribable with the feeble attempt and use the word God? You know, um, Eckhart Tolle, who I'm a fan of, he'll just say being because he would kind of like dismiss the word God and and not like in a bad way, but just in a way of like it has negative connotations for people. So I'm just going to put this word to the side, but I'm still talking about the same thing. But Mm -hmm. if that word offends you, like, um, so like I would say father a lot. I say father. I just referred to God, the universe. I'd say father Mm because that's like a, that's a cool term to me. I can, I can relate to that. But if you're a young woman that was molested by her father, and you have issues with that. And I'm saying like, oh, God's a father. And she's like, yeah, but yeah, my father, what, what's going on in here? What my dad did to me? I don't like that guy that you're mm. talking about. And I'll be like, oh, no, no, no. Well, no, that's just something I say. Like you mm. say whatever you want. Mm. Mother, okay, like what, what language? What feels good to you? And then I'll get him to that point And like, yeah. well, just say that because it has ears. It's everywhere. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of why I like the slow play, right? Because it's like where are you? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like normally when we sit and have a conversation with people about religion, it's, yo, let me get you somewhere. Let me work on you. Like, cause I'm there already. Yeah. Let me the fix where you. I'm there. Like I've ar- arrived. Right. And it's to me, what's hot is when I could sit down and be like, so what's, what step are you on? What page are you on in the book? <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm on page 494. I'm like, oh, I haven't got there yet. What's that like? You know what I mean? And like, oh, I haven't even picked that part of the book up yet. Or, and, and now we can start to, it's it, it starts it starts to get kind of weird to talk about because at some point it it becomes profane. It's like at some point you you get to a threshold where anything that I say beyond this point really isn't for other people to listen to. It's, it, so you're you're saying profane, so like it becomes a little bit more intimate. It's between you. Yeah, and, it's not that what's happening is bad or gross. It's just that it's not for public consumption because I'm in the intricacies of how I'm relating to myself and the world. I think, and that's kind of the part of the journey that I've been on. So when I went and worked at the organization in, in, in the Bay Area, and we're doing all of this, like, work with each other, right? I mean, straight up, like, like weird stuff, like straight up hippie Bay Area. Ayahuasca? Workshop. Deep. Let's just say that it got deep. <laughs> oh, damn. So that so, could be in the thing. Whoa. I mean, you're a grown man. Yeah. You got three grown men holding you down as you go through your childhood issues. Right. It's just like a lot of stuff that now mm-hmm. I don't think I would do again, but I was young and we were there. And you experienced it. And it's not that it was bad. It just was different. It just and is what it is. It lets you kind of find a side of yourself that at that time, that was what I needed apparently to go through to find it. All right. So I don't really like to take that from other people if that's part of the path, right? Like who am I to say, only I get to drink that cup of water. You don't get to have that cup of water. Okay. But that being said, don't get it twisted. I'm not having this. I'm not having the same conversation about the same subtleties, right? Like there was a time when I when I would probably have sounded very atheist, when I would have ha- sounded very Buddhist, when I would have sounded very uh, some whatever, right? Sufi. And- the reason that I have actively chosen to pick up Christianity and practice it and wield it 
on purpose and not be confused about that is because it's the root that I come from. Okay, so you got your root. So let's go back to so like so then Egypt. How do yes. you get to Egypt? With a plane. So you get With to Egypt plane. on a plane, <laughs> but why? So and then is it like do you have a hut waiting for you again? No, I just went to Egypt. What do you mean you just went to Egypt? I just showed up. It's <laughs> like what's Bro, up? It took what's me, up, Egypt? I'm it here. took me an hour and a half to get out of the airport. Can, can I find I Gaddafi? Gaddafi anywhere? I landed in Cairo. Uh, the airport was like I mean. The writing is all squiggly, right? It's all Arabic. You don't know. It's written from right to left. You wouldn't even know that. You don't know what you're looking at. It's hieroglyphics. I pull. I get to the airport. Now, we're used to an American or a European airport, okay? This was like an airport that was not a European or an American airport, okay? It's different. <laughs> <laughs> the standards were different. Uh, you show up. It just feels like it's chaos. I was so overwhelmed. I figured out that's a bathroom. I just went into the bathroom as soon as I got off the plane. Went to the last stall, closed the door, sat down on the lid, and we just tripped <laughs> for like an hour. <laughs> panic attack. So- soak it in. Tripping uh, balls. Me, me, and, me and Tori can relate to panic attacks. Yeah. I was just uh, like, where have you brought yourself, bro? <laughs> wow. wow yeah. yeah. And then when I went out, I, I came out of the bathroom. My luggage was the only luggage left from all the luggage off my flight. They had kind of stuck it on the side waiting. So I went and grabbed it, and I walked outside, and it was just like, Egypt! (laughs) (laughs) Screaming in your face. So So was this like a Mecca thing for you? Like you already kind of knew about the Sufism, so you wanted to go to the heartland? There was a little bit of that. It was kind of like I knew I wanted to walk the Nile and just kind of see, you know, maybe go towards the source and kind of – there's like an old saying, right, that says uh, the man that walks the Nile will find himself. And it's kind of like – so you went to go look for yourself. In a way, I guess. In a way, you went to go you had to go somewhere to look for yourself. I didn't know that yourself. at the time. I don't think I could have articulated that at the time. But so were you talking to your uncle at this time? Did you tell him like I'm going to Egypt? Oh, for sure, yeah. So what'd your uncle say when he said you're going to Egypt? Well, I'm going good, have a good time and uh, you might find out you didn't need to go when you get back. I'm just gonna let that sit for a little while. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> so so you're saying you went to Egypt to find yourself and then you yeah. found out you didn't need to go. Yeah unpack that a little bit for me. Well, it's like, you know, vice the that sh- show that the uh, vice news or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I seen this, they had this, uh, one dude, he was like a Buddhist or no, not a Buddhist, but a Hindu, mm-hmm. but he's a white dude. He's from like Bakersfield or something. I don't know. And, uh, but he's in India. So their vices in India and dudes like fully, he's trying to like absorb it in. Right. And I know that feeling, right where you claim that you just allow yourself to become this other place. And so they ask him, so like, what's your name? And he gives them some like Indian deep name. Right. And they're like, I thought your name was Scott or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And he was just like, the look on his face and how he responded was like, that's so unspiritual. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it was just like, no blood. That's you. Mm hmm. You're, you're disowning yourself to go be someone that you're not. And so you're trying to you find ever, your you're trying to find yourself, but you're just cre- creating another self. Instead yeah, of, you you still it's like go home and do your laundry. Why are you at my house? Yeah, you, you're you're not <laughs> taking off the clothes. You're just putting on somebody else's Thank clothes. Thank you. Okay, that's so, what it means to become a spiritual collector. So then now you're in Egypt, and then you you just Egypt long, was a trip. I mean, I was long? in Egypt for a year, so oh, I could damn. talk about wow. a lot. How do you Egypt. eat at that? What do you 
You just you just showed up and like Egypt. What up? I'm here. You grew your beard, right? You had like okay. A, so you looked like one of them because you kind of do some context. <laughs> context, okay. So for the people that are listening, you right. you could pass off as you know you could fit right in, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, man, like a shape shift. Cool. Um, <laughs> my my one of my proudest moments is if you go to uh, the southern part of Egypt, which ironically is called Upper Egypt. If you go to the southern part of Egypt. Uh, they have Luxor and that's one, right? It's King Tut's tomb and where it's where the dam is at and all this stuff. Well, what they do is um, the tourist industry, like the actual tour going somewhere as a tourist was invented by the French going to Egypt like a couple hundred years ago. Like that okay. didn't exist before. Okay. So if you want to go see the original tour bus madness, you go to Egypt. It's the worst. I feel for any Older people that think it's a good idea to go get in the tour bus and go eat buffet food in Cairo or anywhere else in that country or any country. I'm just mm-hmm. like, yo, get your backpack. Let's go see some cool stuff. So I get when I get over there, it, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's forcing me to go back and look at who I am. But I don't know how to say that. I don't know how to how to articulate that, right? So, like, my friend is from Cairo, right, Sharif? Uh, and his family's Coptic, which is the original Christian. Yeah, like, if you want to take Christianity back and boil it down to the... Yeah. Well, what it was was it was the original Pharaonic line, like, the original Egyptian Coptic line. Like, back in ancient Egypt, the language they spoke was Coptic. And so if you want to go see the original Egyptians, you go look at the Coptic community. Because what there was was in the, in the old times when, when the Arabs came and took over the area and converted it to Islam, they didn't want you to convert to Islam. They wanted you to stay whatever your religious tradition was because you had to pay a tax for not being a, a Muslim. So uh, they wanted to collect the So taxes. they needed the tax. Yeah. For like, for like- Rome did the same thing, right? It was, it was like a, a very common MO. That, that's why Rome would put over like Herod over the Jews. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. So we want you to stay. We want you to stay what you are. Just pay us. Just pay us. Yeah. And, and pay your respects. And- well, at that time, if you didn't have the money, you converted. Oh, right. So, so it's that's like why, an either or. That's why you would have like, a, say, a lot of Jews that would go underground and, and in air quotes, renounce being a Jew. And then they would pick up whatever other tradition of whoever was dominating the land at that time and then practice their religion in secret because they couldn't afford to pay the tax. Well, Coptics were the original Egyptians, the upper class. They were the only ones who had the money to pay the tax. So if you go back and you look at... So they got to preserve their identity. Yeah, right. more than their the customs. average person. Yeah. So you, you're over there, you get with the Coptics. So my friend grew up Coptic and his mom was there and I went and visited his mom and she was like, you'll find what you're looking for when you find it. And I remember just feeling like almost agitated by that. Mm-hmm. She's a sweet, she, I mean, his mom's a saint. She's so sweet. These people did, looked out for me. But I just remember feeling like, you don't know me. You know, like I just had like this thing inside of me, like you don't know what I'm about. You don't know what I'm mm-hmm. from. But the truth was, is, is I was looking for something. I just didn't know what that was. It was like I needed to just take a lap. Well, when you get far enough out there, you realize, I mean, I'm sitting on the banks of the, of the Nile River in Sudan. Okay, I got to Sudan the day that they issued the international arrest warrant for al-Bashar, right? So he's kicking all the NGOs out of the country, and I'm on my way in. I arrive, and I lost all my money because I had changed with the money changers on the ferry. It takes 24 hours to sail from from Upper Egypt into Sudan over a huge man-made lake. Uh, 
when you get to the other side, they drop you at the edge of the desert. And they're just like, there's a town somewhere over there. Go like, get good it. luck. Yeah. Wow. So on the way walking, so I on the ferry, I had changed my money. And I didn't have a lot of money, but I changed some of my cash uh, or all my cash. And normally when I travel, I have it stashed, right? So, But I this time, because I just changed it, I put it in my pocket. I think what I did is I pulled my headphones out and I accidentally dropped my, my money. But I'm in Sudan, blood. <laughs> There's no ATMs in Sudan. Like they got san- America's got sanctions on Sudan, so you're not getting money sent to you. Like, so I'm in Sudan 20 minutes, and now I'm broke. <laughs> Damn! Wow. And I just started. I literally heard a voice in my mind go, "Well, this is gonna make the movie really good." <laughs> <laughs> I just started laughing. Uh, there we go, Rigo. Here's another project yeah. for uh-huh. film uh-huh. right here. This Documentary is, right yeah, here. Yeah, wow. So then these two German hippies, dreadlocks and all, come walking out the desert, going in the opposite direction because they're going to get on the ferry to go to Egypt the next day, right? Uh-huh. So we're just crossing paths, and they're like, why are you laughing by yourself in the middle of the desert, you psycho? And I was like, I just lost all my money. And they were like, what? Well, we'll look for it. And I was like, yeah, good luck with that. Uh-huh. So my mom had written me a card before I left, and she had thrown, like, her pocket. It was, like, 20 bucks or something. Like she threw thrown her pocket cash in the card. And I had just stashed it in my bag. So I went and dig in, and I found the card, and it was, like, a few bucks in the card. And it's five to one from American dollars to Sudanese pounds, right, so at the time. So – and then I had a cell phone, so I sold the cell phone. So I had, like, a little bit of coin mm-hmm. to last me a few days, right? Now, I've already been nine months in Africa, right? So, like, I've studied sculpture by this time. Uh, I've, like, found different little odd jobs, made friends, like, networked. Like, you got I've a got, network. Yeah, I've got Bedouin up in the Sinai. Like, I've got all these people now. And so it wasn't, like, fully – I wasn't fully, like, unprepared at that point. But it was like, okay, what are we going to do? And um, so then the Germans came back, and they were like, look, we didn't find your money. They came up to me, too. That's, like, okay. I didn't even go looking for them. So they came back to the Lakanda that night, like a little hostel. And they were like, uh, based on, we've been in Sudan for a month now. And based on what it took for two of us to live, we think you'll get by off of this money. And they gave me 200, 250 bucks cash in American U.S. dollars. What? Which is high currency, right? So that what a blessing. Five <laughs> times that. Multiply that by five and a quarter, and that's how much money I actually had. So at this, at so this I had point, more money because I lost my money. You had, okay, so, so <laughs> I had more money after I got hooked up. <laughs> so this thing, whatever you want to call it, you want to Allah, God, universe is looking out for you. Uh, here's how I would say it. That feels real, like mystical, the way you say it. Okay, right? like. They say a real Sufi would never call himself a Sufi. A mystic would never call himself a mystic, right? Because it's real, it's real, uh, it's like shmarmy. It's, it's, it's like syrupy. It's romantic, right? Here's the, okay, well, let give me, me say some like context this. then. Let me say, Don't like, just let me back me up. That. Right, 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 right. Let me back up. Okay? Putting the host on blast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go slow. We just met. Uh, let's say that there's a premise of this conversation of all the conversations of religion. And the premise is this. Something is going on, right? Like the earth is going around the sun, unless you're a flat earther, right? The earth <laughs> yeah. is going around the sun. Let's talk but, about flat earth. <laughs> okay. And like... Rigo agrees the earth is going around the sun, right? Are Rigo, you down? Are you a flat earther? Er, Rigo shook his... No. You're a flat earther 100%? <laughs> uh, Rigo okay. is not a flat earther. Uh, I thought we solved that like 600 years ago or something, but whatever. Well, so go ahead. Let's say that the question is, what is objectable reality? Like, 
because we're human beings, right? So I can get lost in my, in my memories and I can, from my memories, start to invent future memories that haven't even happened yet and start projecting, right? So I can like surf back and forth in my mind through this like imaginary playground and that every exists. one of us has. Yeah, it only exists in It's your not head. happening out here, Yeah, there's right? No- so how do I come out of my face out here and be out here with everyone, okay? That's why we have the scientific method. That's the original reason for, for religion, in my opinion, right? So here's the thing that I would say that I've not really heard anyone say. I think that what if the golden rule which is at the heart of every tradition, right? Is and, and by golden rule, I think most of us look at the golden rule like we would look at a bottle of water. We read the label. I know what I think is in there, but I haven't actually taken the cap yeah, off and, yeah. and taken a deep drink, right? So we look at this conversation and we're trying to get in touch with reality. What if the golden rule is the original scientific method? Okay, so hold on. Let me just, in, in my mind, so what you're kind of say is, so maybe in the past... You looked out for somebody else in that network, possibly. And since you did that for somebody, like these Germans happen to show up because you're in that game? No, I guess what I'm saying is, like, there's what, how many billion people on the planet? There's what, seven, eight billion people on the planet? I don't like math, and I don't appreciate you asking me. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, like, obviously nature is working really hard to make it so that seven billion people could exist. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So it's just the rhythm of things. You so know what I mean? Like, like to it. it's it there's like life pulse. is conspiring to be alive. Okay. Right. Like you, you know. So this life that's conspiring to keep alive put two hundred and fifty American dollars into your pocket. Yeah. All right. And I and I know that it could start to sound real superstitious or real, real spiritual, real quick. And it is. It is. Everything is very everything spiritual. spiritual. Right? There's, I, there's to me, no the word spirit is just the movement behind everything. Right. It's like we've got all, all this like extra layer of cake that we put on everything. Right. If I say, you know, there's an artist that I really like and he has a course called the spirit of the pose. He's just talking about the movement of figure drawing. Right. The spirit of God, the spirit of the everything and the nothing. What is the movement behind things? And are they conspiring? Thousands and thousands of years have existed. All the human beings that live so that I could sit here today, right? It's all trying to help us along one more day. Now, there's a lot of stuff that is also trying to downpress us, right? Like gravity. So there's a there's like a dance almost but between it's not, the two. But it's not personal. That's the part I'm trying to say is it's not. I, I, so nobody was looking at after you specifically, but because of the nature of the dance, you got 250. Yeah, but if you know how to play the game called Life, everything's at your fingertips. And, and that's actually the name of one of my favorite books. Okay. The Game of Life and How to Play It by Friends. Florence Shin. Okay. One of the greatest books I've ever read. Have you read Alan Watts' The Game? I have not, but I... That's, I that was one of the first books that blew my mind. I've, I've, I've watched all of his lectures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like a J- Alan Watts He's, junkie. Alan Watts has a good thing about that where he says, you know, he talks about people from the West going to the East. And be careful because you could kind of... He did that spiritual... He did uh, it, and then he turned around and warned, warned against it, right? Yeah, and, so he's like, I went over there and I studied yeah. it because his, uh, his parents or something were missionaries, so they'd bring a lot of artifacts back yeah. from China, and he's like, what is this? this what, is, what are these things? And he, he became um, enraptured within the, their, their culture, so he went over there and studied it because yeah. he was originally, I think, a priest or like a, 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 some type like a of minister, a minister in, in okay. the Christian church, and then he went over there and became, you know caught up in Taoism, which is okay. my favorite of all the philosophies, mm. which is actually 500 years before Christ, 
Taoism is there. And it's called the way. Mm. So you got to just let me just drop this here, closing up mm-hmm. around closing at the podcast here called the way Jesus shows up 500 years later and talks about the way. So, so what if it's, what if like, if you really look at what everyone's saying, they're kind of, there's like a, there's like an unfolding, there's a reality that's unfolding. And can mm-hmm. I participate in that reality? Now, if I use the scientific method, then I get to put forth a, a theory and then we're going to throw rocks at that theory and try and blow it apart. And if it still stands, it's true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. How long has religion existed? In different forms, yeah, since right? day one. Now, I can go back to Osiris. I can go back to, and if you start, you kind of start seeing like, oh, all these things are, might might be kind of pointing to a certain kind of a conversation, just like the word love in different languages points to a certain kind of a conversation, right? Now, I know that we're on thin ice at that point because at this point, you kind of have people defending their territory. So I get that, and I'm not trying to threaten nobody. I'm just saying if if one was to take another step, you might find out there's like the bottom drops out on this thing and it gets real beautiful. And 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 that's not really something that somebody can tell you to go um, do a certain way. That's kind of like you have to go in there and, and explore it for yourself. Learn, learn to dance yourself. Yours is going to look different than anyone else's. Uh, but there is a way to make sure that you're in touch with reality that, you know, cause you have people that will go on that journey and straight up eat themselves and eat other people. And it becomes a tragedy, right? And They'll start a cult. another place. Go, and right. Now I'm the guru. So how do you know if you're in touch with reality? Well, that's what the golden rule is. The golden rule says service. Let me serve you with no hooks. So it's Jesus watching, washing the feet of his disciples with versus- no hooks. He's like, no, no, I'm going to wash your feet. And then the yeah. disciples are like, no, 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 we, we're here to serve you. And he's like, no, no, you, no, no, you, no, don't, you don't understand this. So it's like, see me, like you would say you're practicing Christianity now, yeah. you know, to me. That's like, that's still, I wrestle with that, right? The Christian thing. That's why it's hard for me to call what we go to a church. Well, because, you know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm honest with that. <laughs> no, honest, I think that's hot. I'm honest yeah. with your uncle about it because to me, Christianity is like this. I, I don't, I don't dig it. Like the way once I studied Taoism and Alan Watts yeah, and yeah. The, you know, Wayne Dyer and like, it's like, Oh, okay. This is, there's something more genuine here. This is just like a rhythm here. Have there's, you ever met people that they can only, they can only big themselves up by tearing other people down? There's yeah, plenty of for those. sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like that to me. Like, like when somebody can only do that, it makes me a little suspect about how much they really believe in themselves. Okay, so then you're saying my looking at Christianity, bringing it down? A little bit. A little bit? Okay. Yeah, I'll because, and I'll I'm saying that. from my own path, I'm not trying to throw stones. I'm just saying, for me, there was a time when, when to the degree that, for me to even say I'm practicing Christianity felt like, yo, get those cuffs away from me. Okay. Okay, but so there's a, there's a quote, uh, I think it's Hafiz, or, where he says, beyond the bounds of right and wrong, there's a pasture. I'll see you there. Okay. When I first heard that coming out of the religious world, it sounded like my freedom from legalism, from the black and the white, right? There's so many strokes of gray in between. So can I, can I maybe go into some freedom and get away from this right and wrong game a little bit and start to live? Mm-hmm. What I never imagined is that you, you would leave the pasture and come back into the pen. And it's the coming and the going in and out of the pasture. So you're like pen. visiting this place and then going. Neither back one and forth. becomes your residence. You're just you you're, come and go. You're a battle one. That's you're freedom. a nomad. You're a gypsy. Because if it's all, I gotta just be free, man. I just gotta be free. That you're, sounds like a ball and chain to me. You're a hippie, and then mm. 
Yeah, all the hippies at one point in the 70s had to go look for jobs. You know? Yeah. Or or just even, you know, uh, there's, there came a point in my life where I got, I went from the legalism of, of religion and I threw everything out. And I, to be honest, if I'm by myself, I can leave it all blurry. Like there's a part of me that just leave it blurry. So Who you cares? only have to bring context when you're communicating with somebody else because so that you could live in that blurry space. I, I guess I have the the propensity to do that. Okay. Okay. But that's that's kind of arrogant too, right? Like, like well, you don't need nobody in life. You don't need you don't need some structure, dude. You don't need to get stuff done. Like, <laughs> you know, so you do have a job. Yeah, I mean, I got to pay bills. I got to I got relationships that I'm responsible to. I have a family, I have a community, right? So if I would be willing to just kind of like allow for the part of this to work that work why is it that this these things called religions these belief these these traditions let's call them these spiritual traditions have existed for so long just because we take just because i take it and i play the the i'm right you're wrong game with it doesn't necessarily mean that's what it's for doesn't, that yeah, just means that's what i'm doing that's with just it. the way where you're at that's your and if you go down in there what's really in there is this challenge of justin why don't you go serve john and if you serve John, you might come to a part of yourself that's annoyed. And it has nothing to do with John. You're just annoyed that you have to serve. Mm-hmm. If I can get over that part of myself and quote-unquote die to myself, that's Which very Which is the Christian, the Christian game, the Dharma, the right. because, Jesus. Because here's the, thing about, here's the thing about practicing meditation, that I have a question. Okay, Can you become a selfish meditator? For sure. Yeah. And I think uh, when you're saying that, like Buddhists have kind of like their goal is nirvana. And to me, that's the same thing as hearing a Christian say my goal is heaven. So it's like, okay. That's why the path of the Bodhisattva is so powerful. Christ was a Bodhisattva. Yeah. Is I'm going to now with this ability to see. To travel back and forth. I'm going to go back and I'm going to, until everybody sees, we don't get out. It's Moses coming back down the mountain to come serve these people. and Because Because if I'm still saying I see. Then I am connect, disconnecting me from all of you. I. But until I get that I am one bird in a flock of human beings, and that the flock is the real animal, not the individual, go outside and look at the birds fly in the sky and watch watch that crazy form that could split apart and come back together. The intelligence that that is, and they don't run into each other. They do all kind of cool stuff. I was at the river this morning watching right? it, and I was like, I was amazed bonkers. by it. I love mm-hmm. it. Okay, so human beings, when do we get over ourselves and become part of the flock? When do you when do you come and come in out the cold and participate? And suddenly, having a Christian tradition is beautiful. Having a Buddhist tradition is beautiful. Having uh, an Islam tradition is beautiful. Because then at that point... Being able to say love in my language is beautiful. It's just like, okay, you know, you're living in an apartment complex, and the neighbor over here, you smell this different food. Well, they're cooking Indian food, and then over here, because that's their culture, Mm -hmm. that's their context. But then over here, you smell some menudo, because you got the Mexican side over... Whatever. We don't even know what makes water. We, We call it H2O. But we, we actually don't know what water is mm-hmm. as a species. Not really. We can do cool stuff with it. We can describe aspects of it. But there's like a whole part of just water that we're still clueless about. So what about the rest of the reality that we act like we know about? And like, then people can chill. claim, you know, that's when my hard part is like people can claim. And that's the reason I was like the birth of this show was like, are we where yet? Because um, the, the quote unquote Christian would always try to get me to heaven but i'm like so where is heaven to you like Mm. once i started studying taoism to me it's like heaven's on earth and then i started to read the scriptures again and every time jesus talked about heaven it's like 
no, it's here. It's like a mindset. It's something else. It's like, I'll say, I'll say this in kind of closing. Cause I know you're trying to wrap, but so, uh, across like a few blocks from my house, there's a little, um, I live on fourth Avenue. There's a little, uh, thrift store that the mission runs. Okay. And when I first moved to Yuma, uh, I went over to the mission or sorry, over to the thrift store because I needed a cane. I had had knee surgery. So, and my cousin was over there cause my cousin was in the mission at the time. So we go over there and they're having like their grand opening and there's all these people from the mission there. Right. So you got people, they got no teeth. You got people that look like they just came like down a crazy hundred mile stretch of road with some meth or some heroin. Uh, you got, you got, you just got some like rugged looking human beings in there and they all were glowing. They were all smiling. They were all hugging each other. And I could feel you call it intuition. You call it God. However you need to say Holy it. spirit. I felt it come and say to me at that moment, because I could feel this part of me that's just like, man, like this is dumpster. Like we're all like everything we're selling is dumpster. Everything's broken. And and, and, I and your cousin at this point is staying there. My cut. Co- my cousin was at we're mission. all at the thrift store. Yeah, because he's the, you know, they're trying to raise money for the mission. They're taking mm-hmm. care of people at the mission. But I'm saying he's one of the persons. Yeah, he was with, one of the people there. Yeah. And I could feel I could just feel my attitude about like like this arrogance or something like this is like not polished enough and Mm -hmm. and in that moment i just had this question arise in my mind it was like if you can't see it here where can you see it and all of a sudden the whole room it was like a veil lifted on that room and i felt like i was in like i felt honored to be there and i'm just looking around you just see all these beautiful people and they're all hugging each other it doesn't matter if they relapse tomorrow for this moment Look how gorgeous this spot is, and these people are. Mm-hmm. And if you can't see it here, you can't see it. But that's mm-hmm. and then uh, there it is—the moment you were in the now. You, were you needed to that. look a certain yeah. way. You you might be cutting yourself out. You know, and that goes back to Jesus saying, "If you do this for the least of these, you do it for me." Yeah, man. And I could see how people could say, "Well, well, yeah, you do it for Jesus." But I think the other words were like, "No, you do it for we. Mm. You do it for we." And I think I mean that's the Christ. Christ was. Christ is such a, a G. Like when you look at, I think he was highly scientific. I think Christ was high. I think he was like, I think he was, I think the way that he played it was so gangster. Cause it's really a conversation of, I mean, imagine being a father with a little son and your son is determined to go a path that is going to maybe hurt him. And you're like, okay, I guess if we have to go this route, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to support you. I got. I might have to take care of myself at times, but I'm. I'm gonna pay too, because I'm your. I'm your father. So you're saying the father and Jesus at this point? Like, no, is that I'm God saying in the heaven, that or? is the story of Christianity. Oh, okay. That no matter how weird you would get, no matter how hard you would flex on yourself out of self-loathing or the ones around you, it's a story of redemption and coming along with you. So that's the only way that the whole story makes sense. Right. People will look at the Old Testament and the New Testament and say, like, oh, there's all these contradictions, this and that. Yeah, because you're not looking at it in the context. It's a context of saying, I'll never leave you. I love you. I'm coming with you. Just wow. like your cells would say, I'll never leave you. <laughs> Just like your heart will say, I'll never leave you. I'm with you. It's with you to the end. It is. It's what it is. So I think that with you to the end, that's a good place to end. And, mm-hmm. you thanks know, for having me. Yeah, thanks, man. And I would love to have you on again. And we can kind of dive deeper and how you kind of went back into Christianity and how you played that with yeah. this backdrop. Of, I know kind of it was all over the place today, like a little bit, but it, I, I, uh, it's a lot. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't sum it how up. How do you articulate it all? Mm-hmm. You know? So 
Yeah, so I just uh, appreciate everybody that's listening. It's been getting some good uh, reviews and uh, reviews and uh, some uh, some good feedback. So thank you everyone for taking time to listen to us. And oh, do you want to plug your website or anything? Um, yeah, like I'm not on social media super hard. I I do do uh, professional development now. Um, You're a speaker, right? Somebody can hire yeah, you to speak. Yeah, it's usually um, lately it's been more in like a professional development capacity. So like. Uh, companies or businesses and stuff like that i don't really do like personal coaching or anything like okay. that but you know if you if like uh, if you want to have a conversation whatever reach out what's Ro, your website row.co r-e-a-u.co row.co all right there you go you can so, email me there i appreciate you justin I, this was a great conversation yeah. yeah definitely thanks for having me and uh thank you everybody and this has been episode three yeah.